This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Well, good afternoon everyone. Thank you for coming along. So, themes from the Gospel of Mark. So, Gospel of Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels, consisting of only 16 chapters. So, I suppose if we're going to have a look at a Gospel for the first time, then that's the one to look at. Apparently, it takes only an hour or just over an hour if you if you've got the time but it's worth looking at it's an interesting uh, record of the gospel and it's quite distinctive the way Mark records the events that he witnessed the record itself does not mention its author and we have to rely on tradition that's been handed down through the ages for this information it's virtually certain that uh, the author was John Mark or Marcus who is referred to a number of times in the New Testament I suppose predictably there's been critics who've suggested other names and the author was someone called Mark who lived in the 2nd or 3rd century rather than the John Mark mentioned. So our first evidence, uh, passage of evidence, we look to Acts in chapter 12 and verse 12. Uh, this is when Peter had been miraculously released from prison. Says so uh, verse 12, and when Peter had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So here we find Mark making his way to Mary, the Marks, uh, to uh, well Peter made his way to Mary, Mark's mother. Uh, if we just look at uh, chapter 12 and verse 24, here we hear of the choice of Mark by Paul and Barnabas to be there to accompany them uh, on the first missionary journey. So verse 24 of chapter 12, by the word, but the word of God grew and multiplied and, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and, and took with them John whose surname was Mark. But uh, we have a look at uh, chapter 13 just over the page and verse 13 uh, there's a Seem to there's something happened there uh, in that uh, period. Uh, verse 13 of chapter 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John departed from them, returning to Jerusalem. It seemed like Paul was very disappointed in Mark, and uh, when Mark left them, and uh, we're not told of the reason why he returned. Uh, Mark's mentioned again in uh, chapter 15 of Acts, uh, verse 36. 
So he's there, and some days after Paul said to, unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But both Paul thought it not good to take him with them, when, who departed from them, from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. Uh, 39 says well it gives the reason doesn't it and the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus but Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God so we read from those verses Barnabas wanted to take uh, Mark, but uh, Paul didn't. Uh, it's in Colossians that uh, we hear that Mark was uh, the nephew of Barnabas. Uh, we're told that in chapter 4 and verse 10. Uh, but if we look at, move on to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Mark must have evidently uh, justified himself because here we find Paul asking for him personally chapter 4 and verse 11 of 2nd Timothy uh, we look at verse 10 and Demoth hath forsaken me having loved this present world and departed unto Thessalonica Cretans to Galatia Titus unto Dalmatia only Luke is with me take Mark and bring him with thee for he is profitable to me for the ministry so there's a brief background of where who this Mark is. Uh, we can only assume that at the time of the first missionary journey, Mark would have only been a young man, perhaps a little apprehensive of the dangers of of the journey. But later, as it says, he was a valuable and much appreciated companion of the apostles in their ministry. Uh, he's also mentioned in Paul's letter to Philemon and Peter's first letter where Peter speaks of him, him as my son. But this is I suppose is uh, as Paul says of Timothy and Titus his, his son in the faith. And so from scriptural evidence uh, and from the passage we've looked at this second gospel record was written by John Mark. So where did Mark get his information about the life of Jesus and the details of his ministry? Mark was not one of the twelve apostles. He was probably too young to have witnessed all the events of which he wrote. The most likely explanation comes out that it was Peter, the apostle Peter, who passed on to Mark his knowledge of the life and ministry of Jesus. And it was Mark under inspiration who then wrote this gospel. So Mark having heard from Peter at various times the things that Jesus had done and said. Commenced the task of writing this record. This gospel record. And this he did with the help of the Holy Spirit and under inspiration. Which guided him in, in that which he should write. And the way he should write it. 
It says in John's Gospel, in chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. It shall teach you all things and bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. And there can be no doubt that Mark was closely associated with Peter, perhaps even more closely than a superficial reading of the New Testament indicates. We've looked at Acts 12, verse 12, when Peter was released from prison and he went to Mark's mother's house. Mark would have probably been, been there at the time. Other references also that are not recorded in the New Testament associate, associate Mark very closely to Peter and suggest that he accompanied Peter on, on a number of other missions. And Mark's Gospel too includes references to events during the ministry of Jesus which Peter was involved and show a first-hand knowledge which are not mentioned in the other Gospels. So Mark's 16 chapters, as it says in one commentary, are crisp and to the point. The message is simple and urgent with the last chapter only giving a brief account of the resurrection of Jesus. But the vital message, the vital theme was to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. We read of that in chapter 16. Mark's inspired record of the life of Jesus, the Son of God, the one who came to heal to serve and to teach an urgent message Mark shows Jesus as a servant the one who served and as you will hear in your next talks in the next few weeks they will show there are many miracles of healing and other acts of service which are found in this, this short gospel Nearly 20 are recorded in the chapters 1 to 10. And it's also significant how Mark emphasises the closeness of Jesus to the people mingling with them and speaking personally with them. And we've read, haven't we, in our introductory reading, that first verse from the first chapter. beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the son of God this is the beginning in the sense that the gospel is universally made known to the world Jesus is already 30 years old at this point little is known about his life before this except when he appears in public at the age of 12 and then of course his birth in the other gospels We've read there, haven't we? It's been announced by, it was announced by John the Baptist. And the gospel is about to be proclaimed. This gospel, which means good news. The name Jesus means the eternal one will save. The eternal one is saviour. 
Jesus Christ or Messiah. These both, both these titles together mean anointed one. And already in the first verse of the, the Old Testament has been brought in to explain why these words are important. As Matthew in chapter 1 says, Jesus will be the saviour of mankind. He will save his people from his, their sins. He is the Christ, the anointed one, because he was born to be king. Mark begins his gospel with the adult life of Jesus does not describe the virgin birth of our Lord this title the son of God does the same thing in effect it's in Luke's account where we read of the angel Gabriel telling Mary that her son will be called the son of God because it is by the Holy Spirit that she shall conceive the same reason is given to Joseph in Matthew's account when the angel explains to him that Mary had been chosen to bear the Son of God. And so in a single phrase, Mark tells us the essentials of the nature of our Lord. He is Saviour. He is the anointed King. And he is the Son of God. And so in the Old Testament we have in Malachi and certainly in Isaiah chapter 40 which is, is worth a read in fact we'll look at Isaiah in chapter 40 in verse, verses 3 and 3 to 5 He's speaking here of uh, John Baptist Verse 3 says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So from the Old Testament prophets they speak of a man of God who should come and announce the coming of the Saviour the Lord whom you speak, uh, ye seek and prepare ye the way of the Lord and another title given to him by the prophets that of Emmanuel meaning God with us Jesus came to reveal his Father to men and so close is the will and purpose of the Father bound up with the coming of his only begotten Son that there should be no difficulty in seeing why these names are used. Jesus came from God. He was begotten of the Father. The Father sent him because he loved the world. So from verse, verse 3 of our chapter in Mark verse one, uh, chapter 1 John was literally ple preaching in the wilderness of Judea and yet it could also be said that the whole world was a wilderness the world at that time was waiting for a redeemer 
it's in Isaiah 40 it continues to say that all flesh is grass but it's the apostle Peter when he quotes these words of Isaiah brings in the Lord Jesus Christ into the man's hopeless situation 1 Peter in chapter 1 First Peter chapter 1 and verse 24 it says there for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away but the word of the Lord endureth forever and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. So flesh is fallen men and women. All flesh shall pass away. Only by the revelation and the spreading of the word of the Lord can there be any, any hope. And this says Peter has been brought about by the word of the gospel. And Mark in his gospel is telling us that the gospel through Jesus has been provided so that all can escape the destruction that is due to fallen man. So what can we say about the characteristics of the gospel of Mark? Firstly it is a plain direct style. It sets down a simple objective report of the things that he had seen or had been told about by first hand witness. Secondly it has a vividness in some of its accounts that, that is more pronounced than in, in the other gospels. We find Mark uses the direct form of speech in, on quite a number of occasions. And as we study through it in the next few weeks, he will pick up these little phrases that he used. He used in verse, uh, chapter 4, says, Peace be still. He records Jesus as saying, And come forth, thou unclean spirit, out of the man. In chapter 5. He uses little descriptive words like stoop down in chapter 1 referring to John's reaction at the appearance of Jesus he writes of the heavens being rent asunder and of Peter warming himself by the fire in the palace of the high priest thirdly he shows considerable regard for detail he tells us that the swine ran down a steep place into the sea and that there were about 2,000 of them he tells us that Jesus rose up a great while before day and that he went into a solitary place to pray. In his description of the stilling of the storm he speaks of Jesus in the hinder part of the ship asleep on the pillow or in the revised version it says in the stern of the ship asleep on a cushion. And fourthly, Mark portrays the reaction of the disciples and the people in general to the words and, and works of Jesus. 
He tells us that after the stilling of the storm, the, the disciples feared exceedingly. And after he had walked on the sea, they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure. And when he had talked to them about the difficulty of those with riches entering into the kingdom of God, Mark says that they were astonished at his words. And when he added that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, they were astonished out of measure. And the revised version says there that they were amazed at his words and were astonished exceedingly. <coughs> and similarly, he chooses his words to describe the reaction of the people at the presence of Jesus. They pressed upon him for to touch him. And they sought him so instantly that, says Mark, they had no leisure so much as to eat. And as he departed by ship, the people ran afoot thither out of all the cities and out went them. So perhaps uh, Mark, more than any, any of the other gospel writers, by simple, direct and descriptive language, makes his record come alive. He mentions too the way in which Jesus looked round about. That was in the synagogue. And he turned about him in the crowd after the woman had touched him, the hem of his garment. And when Peter had objected to him speaking of his being rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and killed, Mark says he turned about and looked on his disciples. And when he was confronted by the rich young ruler, Jesus said, while beholding him, Mark says, beholding him or looking upon him, loved him. So as we look at this record by Mark, let's look out for these little touches of detail, these little descriptive phrases and try to visualize the scenes that Mark portrays. And so I've picked out five themes. There's obviously more, but uh, hopefully these will come out as you look at this in the next weeks or so. We've already looked, haven't we, at the main uh, Jesus as Messiah, the Son of God, and the suffering servant. As we've said, that is the main theme, that Jesus came as the suffering servant. <coughs> chapter 1 and verses, verses 9 to 11 and it came to pass in those days and Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan and straightway coming up, up out of the water he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him and there came a voice from heaven saying thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased And so after his baptism, Jesus proclaims his authority and shows that eternal life is possible to all who repent, repent and, and believe. Jesus, the Son of God, announces the theme of his ministry 
It's there in verse 15 that we read together before. Jesus says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. And so there's a condition for entering into the kingdom of God. The time has come to repent. We must change our whole way of thinking and living. And we must believe the good news of the kingdom of God. This first section of Mark, from Mark chapter 1 to chapter 3 and verse 35, demonstrates Jesus' authority as the Son of God. Twice in this section, Jesus uses the title, the Son of Man, to describe his authority. Jesus wanted the Pharisees to know that as Son of Man, he has the authority to heal and to forgive and to interpret the law. If we look at chapter 2 and, and verse 28... This is after the disciples are walking through the fields, aren't they? And uh, verse 23 says, uh, And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his, his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. Of course, the Pharisees objected to this. Why do they, in verse 24, on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And so he goes on to to say to them that therefore 28 he said uh, or 27 he said unto them the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And Jesus was saying to them that he had this authority. He got the authority from his Father the God of heaven a third theme there Jesus looks for followers doesn't he he wants disciples who will heed his message and to bear fruit if we look at chapter 4 and we read this uh, Jesus asked them to hear his message. They wanted to hear his message. This word hear is used ten times in this chapter. Jesus' parables use familiar details with, from ordinary daily life. Jesus says that he uses parables, if we look at chapter 4 and verse uh, 11, it says there, And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and do and not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted, for their sins should be forgiven them. And so it is a a simple black and white situation. Those who reject the gospel will lose the kingdom. Those who accept the gospel 
will in God's mercy gain the kingdom and throughout Mark's gospel it's, it's, it's evident that Jesus constantly questions the faith of the disciples and that's a theme for us isn't it in these last days as, as his disciples and for those intending to follow Jesus we've got to have faith haven't we and in the in the section from Mark 4.35 to chapter 8 and verse 21 we have three events or three details of, of events as the disciples cross the sea of Galilee in their boats we look at verse 35 of chapter 4 we've already alluded to this in there that uh, they were crossing the sea weren't they and there was a, a wind got up a great storm and there arose 30, verse 37 a great storm of wind and the waves beat unto the ship so that it was now full and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on the pillow and they awake him and they say unto him master carest thou not that we perish and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm and there it is in verse 40 and he said unto them why are ye so fearful how is it that ye have no faith they feared exceedingly and said one to another what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him The second event is the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, chapter 6, if we look at that. And it's there from verse 33 to 52. Jesus miraculously makes a few loaves and fishes feed a crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children. And after this, he sends his disciples across the sea in a boat while he goes up to the mountainside to pray and so again in uh, chapter 6 verse 47 uh, and when the evening was come the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land and again there's another storm isn't there a strong wind comes up and the, the disciples are making little headway against it and yet Jesus walks on the sea he passes by walking on the, on the water but they think they have seen a spirit uh, verse 50 says and for they all saw him and were troubled and immediately he talked with them and saith unto them be of good cheer it is I be not afraid and he went up unto them in the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered <coughs> so so, but their hearts were hardened it says didn't it um, uh, 
verse 52 isn't it for they considered not the miracle of the lowest they'd forgotten all uh, in the heat of the moment and in the, this, the troubles they were having at that time this storm uh, they'd forgotten and their faith had gone what the Lord could do If we look at uh, chapter 8 and verse uh, verse 1 there we have again another feeding a crowd of 4,000 men of men plus women and children and Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples and they were the disciples were worried after this uh, that they only had one one loaf of bread uh, And so Jesus again presses and, and asks about their faith. He says um, in verse 17 of chapter 8, And when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? hardened? And here it is again, isn't it? Having eyes see ye not, and having ears, ears hear ye not. Do ye not remember when I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousands, how many baskets of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? So Jesus questions their faith. So it's there, isn't it? Jesus wants us to be faithful after all that he's done. So Jesus does many more miracles which you'll be looking into in more detail in the next few weeks. And uh, Jesus calls for greater faith, doesn't he, from his disciples. And if we look at, uh, go back to chapter 6. And verse, verse 30. Uh, they'd been out on a, the disciples had been out, hadn't they, on a, a preaching effort. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest for a while. But there were many coming and going. They had no leisure, so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out went them, and came them, and came together unto them. So Jesus was constant, wasn't it? If we ever want to know what a busy day is, then a I suppose we need to read that the chapter we've read, that Mark chapter one. We hear, don't we, that Jesus was up a great while in, uh, before day, and that, and that even there, when the sun was set, he was still healing the people. And so Jesus moves on to the next section which is chapter 8 and to 20, uh, verse 22 to chapter 10 to verse 52 which he gives three 
kingdom miracles Jesus touches the blind man doesn't he and it uh, he asks him doesn't he he sees trees walking and then he touches him again the second time and that's a wonderful type isn't it of uh, when somebody is baptised the first touch is baptism and to know the gospel message and that second touch is when we receive that gift of eternal life when the Lord comes and so he continues to heal people throughout chapters 9 and 10 the deaf and dumb boy and uh, his father there isn't he he says Lord I believe help my unbelief and that's something we should do as well isn't it blind Bartimaeus in, in another miracle and it is Peter isn't it uh, we need to look at uh, in chapter 8 verse 27 uh, Jesus went out with his disciples and uh, says at the bottom of the verse whom do men say that I am and they answered John the Baptist some say Elias and others one of the prophets and he said unto them but who say ye that I am and here it is Peter answered and said thou art the Christ and he charged them that they should tell no man Jesus had, uh, Peter had that wonderful faith didn't he and he said you are the Messiah chapter 9 Jesus takes Peter and James and John up to a mountain and there he is transfigured and, and again we're told that this is my son the beloved listen to him and so Jesus continues through this gospel introducing himself as the suffering servant Jesus predicts his his crucifixion deals with the failure of his disciples to get the point it's there in chapter 8 verse 31 uh, and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again chapter 9 and verse 31 again he says the son of man is delivered into the hands of, of men and they shall kill him and after that day he is killed he shall rise again but they understood not that, he, that saying and were afraid to ask him chapter 10 verse 32 and they were in the way going up to Jerusalem and Jesus went before him them and they were amazed and as they followed they were afraid and he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him and so Jesus was to die for his people for, his, for the sins of mankind 
Jesus, the suffering servant, came to serve and offer his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, though he was a king, the old prophets, the Old Testament prophets, said that Messiah was going to be rejected. He was to be despised and rejected, a man of sorrows. And for homework, let's look at, if we could look at Isaiah 53. Just read the whole chapter. It speaks of the suffering servant. prophets also said that Messiah was to be a sacrifice it's Daniel that says he was to be cut off but not for himself he was wounded for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities his life was a sin offering and so this is the suffering servant presented to us by in the Gospel of Mark. We've seen in the Gospel of Mark just this brief overview the service of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. In chapters 14 to 16, the last three verse, uh, chapters, we have seen that. Uh, in chapter 11 we find Jesus willingly entering Jerusalem knowing that he would be crucified there Judas plots to betray him we read of the apostles forsaking him in chapter 14 Jesus is alone when he's tried when he's beaten and sent to his death in chapter 15 chapter 16 after he's resurrected Jesus looks again for the disciples who had abandoned him he restores their faith and sends them out into the world to tell others about the suffering servant the Messiah who died for those he loved and that is what we are trying to do today as Christadelphians as brothers and sisters in Christ that is what our aim is this afternoon to tell others and to tell you of the gospel the good news of the kingdom and so we've seen haven't we the Lord Jesus Christ tirelessly he went about preaching a better way telling all who would listen of the good news of his father's kingdom and we can only thank our father in heaven that we in these last days can read through faithful disciples like Mark of our Lord's life and the way we should order our lives and so may God bless us in our consideration of this wonderful gospel and in our understanding bring us at last to that promised time when the son of God will be manifested again on the earth and come with healing in his wings when all the problems and sufferings of this age will come to an end when all the earth will be filled with the glory of God and may our heavenly father bless us in that day we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk
www.ghostbusters.co.uk.